Perfect. Ritika from Omnivid. Um, thanks for joining us on the Bluenix podcast. Yeah, for sure. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, we were just catching up right before we started about, uh, you know, how you're experiencing quarantine and what you, what you think has changed versus what things have changed in a positive way, was a negative way, right? Um, how's quarantine like? Let's, let's go back to our topic. <laughs> Yeah, so it's it's interesting. I think, you know, we're we're all going through this just like everybody else. But honestly, if you would have asked me this question a week after a quarantine hit, I would have said, Oh my god, the world has ended. Omnibit has gone under, we folded, you know, nothing exists, but it's been okay. I think, you know, just like a lot of other startups, we've had to re, uh, pivot ourselves and we're talking to bigger brands now than we did before quarantine. So so, you know, it's, it's, been, it's been an interesting journey. Um, not to say I'm not saddened by everything that's going on in the world. I mean, obviously, yeah. it's heartbreaking. Uh, some days I just can't watch the news. It's, it's really sad. I think, you know, everyone's impacted. And I think that kind of, a lot of times I get stuck in my head and I think about, oh, my God, you know, like, what about my business? But it's the whole world, really. So that kind of puts things into perspective. So, yeah. yeah, so if you, if you really think about it, everybody's impacted. Did we lose clients? Yeah, we, we lost clients. Like I was talking to, and when you're in early stage, it hits you more because every client is gold in an early stage company. You're like, oh my God, I had a client call today. Like, oh, that's, you know, fantastic. So yeah. we were talking to a yoga studio and she was about to launch her, you know, yoga studio and we got the full business and boom <laughs> there's no launching yoga studios anytime soon i would think so we lost that but i was talking to another friend of mine and he runs a, a large audio company and they have a lot of campaigns paused paused so i think everybody is suffering but it's really about resiliency and maintaining positivity and just going through it and you know that's what that's what we're doing yeah yeah that's great to hear because like, <clears throat> I mean, that kind of positive thinking is coming a lot from entrepreneurs who are kind of tried and tested about pivots and, and being random things thrown at them. And as, 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 like a, as much of like a tsunami this lockdown and COVID has been, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of been like a, another, just another obstacle to chase after when you're an entrepreneur, right? Yeah, it's right. just another thing that's preventing you, <clears throat> preventing you or making roadblocks or maybe even opening up opportunities um, it's our, it's, uh, it is literally our, um, our duty and our, I guess our methodology is to figure out a way forward. Right. Yes. And as, I had, as a founder. Yeah. Yeah. Pivoting. Sorry, I had no idea yeah. what pivoting means, but now I do. <laughs> like when you have to do it. Yeah. 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 Cause Can you talk about a little bit about that? What kind of pivots have you had, had to make? Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's really been a lot about not per se offering but more about changes in it but also um, communication how are you the way I was approaching my clients earlier is completely different with you know from the way that I'm approaching now now it's more about savings hey if you do this you save this much earlier it was more about maybe you know innovation now it's also innovation but it's more cost savings they do this because yeah. it saves you money and you'd want to be saving money right now or hey, great, um, so don't do this right now. This is great, this is fancy, but at the same time, you should be thinking about ROI. So initially, if our pitch was, 
I don't know, connect um, more around maybe like a high impact video. Now it's more about like ROI. Now it's more like, hey, this will drive immediate ROI. So look into this as opposed to, you know, this, which will give you high impact branding. Sure, branding is important now, but more, more softer with the right messaging and compassion, empathy. So we've had to go find our new target personas by testing and you know I made some calls and to see if, if my messaging was resonating with a whole different target persona than I had earlier and it, 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 it worked so you know so so far so good knock the wood and you know we'll see how it goes but to your point like I think you know I've learned that as an entrepreneur you have to be like innovative and you learn resiliency because I guess it's a part of being an entrepreneur yeah yeah. What yeah. about what about you guys? Have you guys had to? Finish? Absolutely. Like, first of all, this podcast has become like a Zoom, uh, Zoom-based thing. Like right after COVID hit, the day we're supposed to do our fifty-fifth episode oh, of our, of our okay. podcast, right? Mm-hmm. We had five episodes lined up, and uh, sorry, not COVID hit, but like the lockdown hit the day of. And we, right. We canceled yeah. earlier than that, but still, it was the timing of that after, and it, literally the day after, I'm like, oh my god, how do we keep this thing going? So right. literally on Monday, right after, after, after the lockdown, I'm like, Let's, we tried doing Instagram live. We started doing, we started doing. How was that? How was Instagram live? It's hard to kind of, it, it, Honestly, like, I guess you have to make a, some noise about it before you start. I guess maybe that's. Yeah. But for us, like it, it was never about the audience, right? Cause we we did, we're like, we were recording it anyways. Uh, even off Instagram live, we were recording it and re-releasing it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. So people have a chance to watch it again, but uh, we liked, I like Instagram live because it's the most stable live streaming platform. Right. Few, but yeah. the stability of the platforms and how the connection is, like even the zoom as a video call, mm-hmm. I think I trust something, even the zoom as a, as a video call. Do you have a ring light? How do you, how are you doing? How are you managing your lighting? I have a ring light. No, this, is, <laughs> this is just natural lighting. Oh, really? <laughs> Yeah, uh, I've been blessed with this housing has like really nice windows, like with like light, a lot of light coming in, natural light. Coming oh, that's in. awesome. Okay, that's great. Okay. Um, I actually have two softbox lights from our actual physical podcast set that I oh. brought in here, right? I, I mean, I'm in my living room. I just got this set up, right? We like we've been building a set in my yeah. living room. What is that? And uh, oh, it's like a backdrop, it's like oh, a black great. backdrop. Oh, nice. How do you uh, manage right? to so, hide it? Earlier? No, we just got it. I just got oh. it delivered by Amazon last week, like on the weekend. It took nice. two weeks to come in because it's a non-essential right. delivery. Right. But uh, yeah, our pivots have included going from a physical set of a podcast to do more of this. Right. But like the pros of that is like we can do more episodes. So I've done 25 episodes now. Oh, um, wow. In, in, during COVID. <laughs> right. Right. There so you the go. The, weeks, the resiliency. And it's just, you have to figure it out. And you did yeah, it. The negative... The negative is that we had a five-person team on the podcast, videographer, some, a sound engineer, right? People who are clipping and editing mm-hmm. videos, right? We had a team behind this, so we had to let them all go, right? To, yeah, yeah, that is, that's... So, that's, like, negative side, but the pro is you can do more with less. That is true, yeah, yeah, that is true, um, for sure, yeah. What about, didn't you guys have sponsors and all of that fun stuff? Like, cause, yeah, we, we had yeah. sponsors because the physical, the physical set with all the people had costs. Yeah. But now, because of Zoom, 
the cost of shrunken oh, down. So that is awesome. more and more, more go, fluid. Yes. So we don't Great. necessarily need sponsors anymore. That's like a positive if we get. <laughs> so now we're going to control more messaging, not have to worry about the cost and providing high quality, high quality videos anymore. Right. But we're now doing like just going right to the right to the source, like positive, good comment, like uh, sorry, content, creating content. great content and creating yeah. discussion, right? Yes. Um, and it's been great because people are more available now. If we even have the discussion. Right. Yes, I agree. Right. Yeah. And this is just one side of what we do. Like our main line of our business, as we discussed earlier, is like sales as a service for a lot of tech companies, especially right. emerging tech companies. Okay, early stage. Great. Maybe you can do sales for me. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, right? Uh, okay, yeah, um, sure. Yeah, like our, our, our main client base is uh, seed to series A level companies. Companies mm -hmm. that raise enough, have exhausted their founder level relationships when it comes to sales and need to right. build out a team. So mm -hmm. we help with the building of the team aspect, whether internally or externally. We've built commission-only teams. We've built teams within companies, right? Okay. And the, and how to kickstart that that engine, a sales engine for a company. Yes, it is. You level of growth. Just kickstarting it is hard. Like I've never done it, and I, you know, I know I have to do it. But right now, I'm just trying to exhaust my personal relationships before, but also simultaneously trying to find a sales co-founder. And it's it's hard if it's someone with an existing business. Well, they're going to come in in a very different manner than someone who's commission only and, and can I hire only commission and how much like, you know, what does that look like as opposed to providing a base and commission? So those are things I've never done before and it's the first time. So if that's, that's the kind of support that you provide then maybe, hey, there's collaboration here. Yeah, definitely. We'd love to talk about this. Yeah. Maybe we'll talk off, off air, but uh, until then, let's talk about your company so far, right? Yeah. What is programmatic ad buying what is programmatic ads like how, what does that what does that mean yeah I, I love how you say it i get that a lot i get programming uh you know all of that stuff so it's programmatic media buying programmatic and... okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i do i do get that a lot so it's it's funny you ask because i kind of went into uber suggest to see well what are the kind of questions people are asking around programmatic media buying and they were basic ones. What are programmatic ads? How does programmatic media work? What is programmatic media buying? And for someone, you know, for someone like me who spent more than seven years, like almost eight years in programmatic media buying across continents, I was like, oh my God, like this is, this is news. I need to do something about it. So the first uh, session that I organized in programmatic media buying, we had 60 people sign up because I guess people wanted to know there is a need for it. And yeah. that's, 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 it was beautiful because one of the things I've learned during my entrepreneurial journey is really providing value or providing your uh, prospects or providing this world with, you know, answers to their questions or, yeah. or solutions to their problems. And seeing the number of respondents, I was like, oh, like I would have never, ever imagined that today in today's time, you still, I still have to be conducting a, what it is programmatic media buying, but yes, there is a need for it. So, so that was great. And while, you know, I had another session today that was on measurement went really great. And I'm having, I'm collaborating with different uh, media partners and platform partners to come up with, or even like advertisers we've had we are in conversations conversations with some grocery advertisers to really talk about how has their advertising strategy changed and what is what are the changes that they're making next week we're talking about audio and i'm going to also launch a series on social social is huge 
social media, like people are talking about it. Like you're testing Instagram yeah. live, like that's fantastic. So Instagram, that's resonating. So who knows, maybe tomorrow we'll be InstaBit and only focus on Instagram. I don't know. So pivoting and testing and learning, that, that is something we've been doing. But to answer your question, you know, I have a whole video on programmatic media buying. I'm happy to send it to you, but it's a, it's a half an hour conversation that we can have. Mm -hmm. But really it's about forming connections with brand in an automated manner, using, using the power of real time bidding, but it's about forming connections with audiences. So you're not mm -hmm. just automating. So anything that's auction based is real time bidding. But when you put targeting on it, when you put data layering, when you put um, your brand safety layers, your pre-bid fraud monitoring pixels and your pre-bid uh, IAS pixels and your post-bid monitoring and you add all of those ways to really connect with your audiences using different formats and data and audiences, that becomes programmatic media buying and you can do it across connected TV or like TV and kind of, so that becomes connected programmatic audio buying and there's also uh, sorry, programmatic connected TV. And then you also have programmatic audio and digital out of home. So when you go out and you see all of this COVID related messages on those big billboards, that's digital out of home. But when you add a layer of audiences in it, that's, that's you know, programmatic media buying. So it, it enhances relevancy of ads. So what's your favorite brand? Um, that's that put you on a spot? Sorry. Yeah, see Coca-Cola. Sure, sounds good. Coke Classic. So if you see a Coke Zero ad, is that more relevant or is Coke Classic ad more relevant? Coke Classic ad is more relevant. Classic. Right. Yeah. So if Coca-Cola were to be using custom affinity segments in, you know, DV360 or one of the programmatic platforms, they hopefully would be able to find you because they know that you're a Coca-Cola Classic lover and not a Coke Zero lover. So there's a lot of granular level of targeting that they can do. And on your end, hopefully you're connecting with material related to Coca-Cola Classic that really allows like buyers to know that, okay, he likes Coca-Cola Classic. So it's about enhancing relevancy and making the ad more relevant. Like from my perspective, when I see ads of brands that I love, like right now it's HelloFresh. I love seeing their ads and I just opened my first HelloFresh box today. So that was exciting. That's, that's amazing. But having said that, I don't want to be seeing their ad 10 times a day. Yep. So frequency capping. So you can cap frequency using programmatic media buying to limit it to maybe one every eight hours or one every, once every 10 hours. So I'd, because then you, you're preventing users from seeing the same ad three times in a row or like 15 times a day. No one wants to see 15 times a day. Like even if you love a brand, like do you want to see an ad 15 times for a Coca-Cola Classic in a day? No, mm -hmm. no, would you? No, I would think not. Yeah, absolutely not. Absolutely right. not. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's that's really interesting because the, the 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 machine element that goes into ad buying nowadays, right? The, the 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 yeah, like the auctioning side of it. I think that's 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 a really interesting part that people don't understand. Even I'm coming to terms with how little I understand about it, right? Because mm -hmm. everyone thinks of it as almost like a one-sided marketplace where, like, oh, this this ad going out here cost this much, I'm paying this much and it goes up. But it's mm -hmm. actually almost like a dual set of marketplace where these, these um, infrastructure pieces coming in, whether it be like Facebook with, with all these apps or with other correlated systems coming together, but pretty much selling attention to ad buyers. Yeah, right? you, you have it right, yeah. 
And right? Facebook so, is almost real-time bidding if you're not advertising like outside of Facebook. So if it's many websites, then and connecting with audiences, that's more programmatic media buying. And through Facebook, also you can advertise, you know, on other apps and things like that. But if it's the Facebook environment, that's real-time bidding. Yeah, yeah. So are you talking about your specialties being cross-platform? Yes, you know, we do we do that. But having said that, like right now we're focusing, we're shifting focus towards Instagram because that's really resonating. That's driving really positive ROI. People want to be on Instagram. Like my, like today I had an amazing conversation with one of my prospects who is a client now, not the word. And, mm -hmm. you know, when you start a conversation around Instagram, they, they already understand it. I think a lot of people you'll find it catchy. They know the brand and it's easier to explain. So maybe programmatic mm -hmm. is a little bit of a later conversation because one of the challenges that I'm facing right now is just starting a conversation around programmatic media buying because people don't know it. So if I'm like, hey, Instagram, driving ROI, let's test it. It's, it's an immediate yes. So sure, the goal is omni-channel, connected TV, programmatic audio, and we're still playing there, but maybe it's a little bit more of a, you're shifting a focus towards Instagram ads because it does drive ROI. So maybe tomorrow we, be, we become Instabid, but today we're on. Yeah. <laughs> this is, this is uh, I think that, that was the fundamental question mark I had for you because you're going for that omni-channel and I don't hear many companies making noise in that channel, right? If you notice it, a lot of agencies are, are almost fully Instagram now. Instagram or Facebook or Instagram and Facebook. YouTube, yeah. Right. YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. YouTube as well, yeah. Right, but programmatic. So a lot of large advertisers know it and they are on it, but it's the small, medium businesses who are looking for immediate ROI. For them, well, search is a no-brainer. And even Facebook retargeting lead generation, that works very well. ROI, like Instagram is driving strong ROI, but if, it's, if you're a large brand, then I think programmatic is very well suited for you. You're no. Absolutely. Yeah. So historically sales and marketing has always had a divide right those who are experts uh, salesmen salespeople uh, versus expert marketers always are have a divide on which side is more important especially when it's intra-company right when you're inside right. a company the marketing department feels that oh it's their marketing efforts and putting money into marketing gets people's brand attention that the salesperson is leveraging to sell over and the sure. salesperson would be like no no that's just a tool in our toolkit at the end of the day it's our ability to communicate value and build relationships that really translate value and get direct ROI. Our ROI is, is uh, net calculable, right? You can calculate, I can give you the exact number of how much you're gonna make this year, yeah. how much you're gonna make for you, how many deals are signed, I can give you that. But marketing is at the pit where money goes into and you're hoping for a result. But now programmatic, uh, like the, the programmatic nature of these two-sided marketplaces is coming in and being able to program uh, for attention, buy attention, right? You can almost get into the art of digital selling where you're using these kind of these kind of tools to kind of as a, as a blending of the two mechanisms one with marketing and putting the ad in front of the right person and push them towards conversion right yes. but using the art of sales in that process yes right? yes messaging put people in please go right. ahead yeah yeah so that that's something that i've become really fascinated with right the granular nature of how you can put people into funnels. Cool, if you fit into this category, if you look like this, if you've seen this ad but not con uh, done this action, you go into this bucket, 
and then we retarget yes. you with this. Yes, and what you just said to me is like, oh my God, I wish you were my client right now because I think just having start from a conversation starter, I think what I'm realizing Instagram ads that gets me in the conversation, but then when I start talking about sophisticated technologies that programmatic does offer, that's when you kind of want to see them more leaned in and they want to know more, but it's hard to kind of break the door open with programmatic. But to your point, absolutely yes. So if you, we are able to bucket different audience segments based on their interactions, the cart abandoners versus like higher funnel, lower funnel, what kind of site engagements they do. And that's more like, that's lower funnel anyways, because those are site engagers. So if you're able to get in front of them with different messaging based on what portions of your site they interacted with, that's that's massive because the lower funnel, yep. the cart abandoners will get a whole new different messaging as compared to someone who's a little bit more ahead on the game and just visited your homepage. So if you can do a lot of that, provide the right messaging to the right audience, that's massive. And you also have data management platforms now. Because think about it, like even you, you probably have your CRM and not every data point in your CRM is the same. Someone, a site visitor, well, that's a site visitor, but even in CRM, someone who's subscribed to your mailing list, that's, that's someone different than maybe someone who you've already done like one or two podcasts with. So I think like even for marketers, if you think about it, like site visitors, that's awesome, but they also have CRM and then they have people who've subscribed to their mailing list or people who are loyal customers or people who want to know more. And so there, there's a lot of data segmenting that you can do even within CRM and the first party, third party data companies, so Environics, there's a lot of uh, custom segments you can build, but you have to have a certain amount of like data to be able to do that. And those are typically the large marketers in Canada. US obviously has more scale. So it's, that's you know more possible in the US for a lot more marketers, but Yes, to your point, if you're able to do that segmenting and then message them based on where they are in their journey, that's that will drive your ROI with from a yeah. programmatic perspective because you're already playing within a very interested audience segment from an overarching perspective. Absolutely. So and you can do that on connected like, TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's can you talk can you, can you get a little more granular on how you're you can operate, right? Like if you have a client. How do you engage with them? What will the process look like on discovering what are the segments? How do you build the funnels, construct funnels? Like what are the thought processes that go into this? Yeah, so it really depends on the client, but from an overarching perspective, like today I had a conversation on measurement and that was really around, you know, talking to the client about what is your business goal? Where, where do you see us? How is business looking right now? Like today morning, the call that I had, my conversation was really, okay, what's going on with COVID? And he said that, oh, we saw a 50% drop in uh, sales, which makes sense. But, but what he also told me that, oh, but we had so many card banners. Oh my God, that is huge because, and then my next question was, what about Google Analytics? Do you have your you know, site uh, tagged properly? And are we able to bucket those audiences and then remarket with the lower funnel messaging? And he, he didn't know, but he did refer, he, 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 you know, he has somebody else who works for him. So then that's again, like I think in larger companies, you have those silos. So being able to break down those silos, that's really important anyways. But anyways, from, from today's call, it was literally figuring out, trying to figure out from a business perspective, how is that looking? What is he seeing? He's seeing carta banners, well, that's huge. So you want to reach out to them. 
Has you tested Instagram ads from the perspective of boosting both boosting posts that that he knows is doing well? Does he have an Instagram for business account? Because that's totally different than having you know a normal account. Mm-hmm. Business account gives you more insights. So that that those were some of the conversations that I was having with him. But Instagram in general, like he gets it. No, he's he hasn't tested it. He's interested. The other day, I was in conversation with another marketer. And my question was, hey, are you try- have you tried Instagram ads? And they're hooked. They're like, they want to know more. That yes, oh yeah, like, no, we haven't. But hey, tell me more. And, and that's been great. But really, if it were an ideal con- uh, client, I would want to start a conversation with, what have you tested in the past? Where, what are your goals? Uh, what media are you open to testing? And then, you know, kind of do that whole testing with proper site tagging. Yeah. Google Analytics, first point, I want to go into Google Analytics and see what's working, what's not working, what audiences are resonating, what channels are working, what uh, device is working, and then craft personas accordingly and activate on it across channels, do attribution after to see what's bringing value. Is display bringing more value than YouTube? Is, you know, YouTube a lot of times it brings a lot of conversions but it's video and video typically is more sight sound motion you would think but it still leads to mm-hmm. conversions and when i say conversions it's more lowest funnel site engagement points but a conversion can be any engagement point any event that you're tracking within a site so so then i would kind of really understand their audiences i would understand what are the channels that they are open to testing do a test for them and then optimize towards channels that's that's working ideally do an attribution modeling and then optimize towards what's bringing most value but also audiences there's a lot of uh, optimization that you can do within audiences maybe they think 25 to 54 and you know that's their demo but then there are a lot of buckets within it so you can optimize to different age buckets within it and if there are five audience segments that you're going after so somebody told me the other day i'm going after moms fantastic there are so many different kind of moms there are moms who like yoga there are moms who like hockey there are moms who love news and politics so what about the interest segments because demo segments i have that i can layer my parent female and then you have all of these what are their interests tell me more about where where are they shopping what do they like to do geo-targeting that's no-brainer you want to be Mm -hmm. if you can do geo-fencing that's that's amazing so when it comes to running these ads, like you do the actual strategic side of it, but you, who, who produces the content to run? Yeah, yes. So, so that's a good question. Typically, it's, it's the marketer, uh, you know, that does all of the content production. For my company, I've been doing it on my own and I, I enjoy mm-hmm. it. <laughs> you do yourself. You do the actual yes. marketing efforts? Yes, yes. For, for right now. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's been wow. fun for me. It's been very interesting. I have friends who do it, so I can give it to them, but it's been very fun yeah. for me. So I, from a content side, what I'm learning though, typically digital marketers like to do it themselves. Sometimes, yeah. so yesterday, so not yes, two days ago, I spoke to someone and he said, oh God, I don't have 
one of my clients has someone internally and he said, hey, let this girl do all of the content production. You just do ads. I'm like, perfect. And then I had somebody else who said, oh, I'm struggling with content. I'm like, oh, let me help you. So it would be, you know, a matter of getting one of my friends to help me out on it. So is that something we can handle? Sure. But then there's also a lot of intellectual property rights there. And that needs to be transferred properly because it's the brand, you know, the, it's mm. the, the, yeah. So it's the, who owns the content. So the content has so the uh, the exchange has to be done properly the, of the intellectual property rights and things like that. But ideally we want to be, our core focus is advertising, like the ads, performance marketing more than ads. I don't like the word ads, performance, driving online sales for our clients. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, what is like the, like a, the base starting package for a client? What do they need to spend to, to, be, to take advantage of this model? It, it depends on the goals. Yeah, depends on the goal. So let's say for like an e-commerce company, right? Someone who's yeah. selling apparel online. Mm -hmm. um, what would, what would be, a, like, what, what would they start with? I would say, so I would say, so, e, so I would want to know, okay, are they running on Amazon? Do they have a store there? Fantastic. Then test on Amazon ad segments and then drive your online sales on it, but also do some link outs. In terms of spend levels, you know, different people, we have our own, uh, we have our own approach. Uh, it really depends on the client and uh, what kind of conversion it is, the conversion volume and all of that. But I think, I think $100, $150 is a great start Do it per day. Do that for a week, do that for, you know, week and a half, two, two weeks, see how it's going and then, uh, you know, optimize accordingly. But that's also very, it would, it would need to be a one-on-one -on -one conversation with the client to really figure out like what is yeah. the conversion, the conversion volume, the past. But just, just as if I were, if I had to give a number, I would say ideally don't test anything less than $150 a day, but you know, there's room for play there and yeah. flexible. Yeah. Per day. And then, yeah. Then um, um, so I'm seeing a new type of market player coming in like agencies, that are like pretty much engineering companies, mm -hmm. right? Like the engineering teams that are coming in into the marketing world, right? Mm -hmm. And what they're doing is they're going after a different kind of level. So rather than, you know, a, a, a client pays a, plays a agency, hey, run X1, I'll add for me, and then I'll take the traffic from there and I'll convert. These mm -hmm. agencies come in and what they say is they run ads, right? Filter them out and make them, actual make sure that their leads are actually going to convert and then sell it to the company back to the company right so oh. they're doing more higher level refining of the traction coming out of these ads so for instance rather than running like are a they nurturing ad, the nurturing right but that's part of marketing so it's more like email marketing so that's more holistic so what you're talking about is integrated marketing so mm -hmm. they're looking at it across channels. They're looking at different, yeah. So that's, that's, yeah, we can definitely help with that. That's more on the analytics side. So you're talking more about like, so just what we were speaking about earlier, like what the quality of lead and what it is. And then you're saying they'll nurture them with emails and, or however they need to, to get them to be more lower funnels to so drive them down, down the funnel. But that's, Typically, okay, so my background is different, I guess. I've spent my entire career in programmatic. So to me, that's natural. I guess from what I'm hearing, a lot of agencies don't do that. So that's, that's, that's you should, I mean, 
you know, driving a consumer down the funnel is is a dream. Like that's yeah, that is what I really want to be doing, and that's ideal. So if it's someone higher mm-hmm. funnel, push them down with different messaging, different channels, and so that's that's great to hear. Yeah, I mean yeah. that's kind of like the newest newness of it because like unless you're in the space of like spending money on marketing, mm. right? You're not really seeing the growth or the changes in the space. So anyone who's a new entrepreneur or new to the space, their, their, their company is evolving, their e-commerce front is, uh, footprint is evolving, they have yeah. a brick and mortar business that's evolving, they're new and they're looking into, into higher growth models, right? Do they hire a salesperson? Do they hire a marketing agency? Do they you know, do, a, do a lot of like, like across yeah. spectrum ads, targeted ads. Like they have to go through the decision makers internally, right? To figure out what their goals are and what they want to experiment on, try try towards what their budgets are to try different campaigns on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they go through this. So I guess for anyone new coming into the space, like the idea of understanding, like the, the level of understanding is much more greater than it used to be. Before mm-hmm. it used to be, I used to pay X amount and I get X out of it, right? Mm-hmm. A very baseline report. But now you can go granular. Like, like you were saying, right, into full reports. What target do you want to go after? What interests are your segments look like, right? Yes, yes. It forces people to think more about what right. their brand really is. It's like a business, yes, yes. Right? Yeah. Who, who am I serving? What does my actual end client look like? It's not just all moms, but exactly this segment of moms right. are, my, are my core demographic. Um, how, how is that thinking evolved? Like, are you seeing people struggling with that when you talk to them about this? Like, it's more of an education um, and struggle, yes, because the first conversation that you have, you get really superficial answers, and it's more like one of my some of one of my clients, he was like, "Oh, geo, you know, this is the geo, and these are that." So, well, okay, that's not, and then demo. So they'll give me like twenty-five to fifty-four and thirty-five to fifty-four. That's a very ancient way of buying, and sure, it's still relevant if you combine it with other other strategies. So you're doing demo, fantastic. Well, they're on your freaking interests because just demo is not good enough. Twenty-five to fifty-four can be anybody, but look mm-hmm. at your product and really figure out like who would buy that product, and you get those answers. But it's really about pushing that. Not I don't want to use the word pushing. It's really about you know, consulting more, being a consultant and asking them questions that, great, can you tell me more about what they do, where they are, what do you know about them? Like, can you tell me more? And they'll tell you that, but I don't think they understand that it's possible from an activation perspective to go that granular. So, mm. yeah, and that is- Yeah, and even even me, like in between, like I'm, I'm dumbfounded by the level of granularity you can go into, right? And I can imagine being frustrating being in a business environment, but like, what do you mean? Like, this, this is what I sell. This is what I do. Why do I need to know my customer at that level? But, but from my perspective, I want to know from you, like, because you're obviously, you've worked in a, in a lot of corporates. Why is that a challenge for marketers? And I don't understand that sometimes. So but- I come from a sales perspective, right? For mm-hmm. me, it's like, I don't really care about what your interests are as long as I know them. Right, because I can connect with you over anything. Okay. I can Relation- tell you something, right? Relationships, Same. right? Yeah. yeah. So when you're a salesperson, like everything's a challenge. Yes, you'll have a target demographic. Yes, you have the type of buyer, but other other, but your buyers can change, right? You can have multiple segments buying, whether it be a consumer product or B two B, right? New players can enter the game. New type of market can open up. 
So you're always looking for opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're on the chasing side of things, you're looking at, and a lot of business people build, own, uh, run businesses, they think about it in that kind of mentality, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they have a product offering and they're trying to communicate value to as, as, as much people as possible, right? Either in a wide basis or a very targeted basis. You're trying to communicate value and get, and, and, and get by that. So you're yeah. more like propagating the product rather than understanding who the end consumer is. But, okay. but, but, yes, but who you pitch to, you have to also understand who you're pitching to within the decision-making chain because a media planner is different than a project manager is different than a C-level executive and your communication will be different. So your positioning would also depend on who you're speaking with. Yes, absolutely. And you're doing right. your research on business size as a salesperson. Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, of course. Yeah. So that's, that's available business size targeting and all of that through mm -hmm. Bombora. That's huge for B2B that I have to actually yeah. leverage in my business. I can do that. Like it's, it's very relevant for B2B. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's like where the merging of marketing and sales is happening. right yeah. now. Yes. Yes. And that's a beautiful point that you bring up. Yeah. I love, love now. Yeah. I love that you say that because right. Yeah. Let's talk more. I want to hear more. Yeah. Because yeah. now marketing, like with the digital sales aspect of it, because of their ability to target, it's almost like you're taking money and you're, built, you're building this machine where you can grow more money out of, right? Yes. Products yes. kind of flow through. You're finding the right market, a person looking for the right problem market or product market fit, who are experiencing a certain problem the product solves, or would be a targeted buyer for this product, or would resonate with the messaging, whatever it is, and you're connecting with the product. And you're creating this revolving door, yes. right? And as long as you have this mechanism funneling, right, you're, you're buying these, these ads, putting in front of the right people, getting the right attention, and you're converting. You're good from a sales perspective. You're, yes. you're, you're, growing, you're, you're growing your ROI. You're growing your investment. And the more money you can put into it, you're trying to create, like, it's pretty much like a growth engine you can create. And that's yes. why a lot of these e-commerce people, these private marketing people are now, now capitalizing on, is the idea that independence, right? If you can create these funnels, create these uh, things that, that run automated, you can white label solutions, plug and play different um, solution into it. And now you have an automated income stream, automated, semi-automated business running. Yes. Independent company, people building independence to this, right? Like yes. creating funnels, just like you would create an asset in real estate. Right. Yeah. Ad funnels for sure. Absolutely. But, but okay. But, and, and I love that you say that, that makes sense. So maybe from a, Something that I, you know, I came across and I want your like view on it from a retail perspective. So I was talking to one of the incubators here to trying mm -hmm. to understand their portfolio. And they mentioned, they mentioned, you know, what are, maybe it's like a popcorn company that has a flavor attached to it. And I'm trying to understand, mm -hmm. are they doing uh, media buying? Are they doing uh, programmatic media or Facebook ads? And, you know, the first reaction is retail partnerships. So the Loblaws and the Sobeys and the Metro, and that gives them massive amount of scale, right? So, and from a programmatic media perspective, I, I, you know, maybe to your point, you get it. Maybe, maybe it's a, more about education to really make them understand, and, or you, maybe it's about finding the right person because the hesitancy is, oh, the cost for acquisition is constantly changing, so it's not fixed right from a platform's media perspective but from if you're partnering with massive retails then it's you know it's they know what it is but then 
that is why maybe to your point like you you get it 100 you know you have it right like it, the whole funnel digital funnel you, you can create those sales funnels through 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 programmatic media it's pretty sophisticated but it maybe it's so how do you get them on board and maybe it's more education within universities and within incubators and you know getting them to test more yeah yeah what i'm interested in is like how does this involve private equity you know like how does it come to the point where people can just put money in just put money in and get money out right someone yeah. else does the ad buying someone else does the fulfillment all someone what, what like you know the three-sided marketplace kind of develops right mm -hmm. people who have the capital can invest capital on the actual buying of the attention buying of the actual the, the media ad media agency constructing this whole funnel and running the funnel and the content runs the content and the funnel and the company with the product fulfilling it is mm -hmm. focusing on the product and the manufacturing and the delivery of the product and service. Right. Yeah. These sort of marketplaces, right? Mm -hmm. um, I'm interested in seeing that if that ever evolves, like a, a player comes in and be like, Hey, look, we have like $20 million in our fund. As long as we get a 10% weight return, we'll but keep buying on your behalf. Isn't Michelle Roman like they are a clear bank, I guess. Yeah. So that's so clear that's, bank is a revenue. They do revenue based financing. Right, so it's on the other side of the funnel, right? If you're already, you can borrow against it, borrow against them, run run capital and pay it back. Absolutely. Yeah, right? and they raise funds for it. It's not even, like it's, you know, they raised millions of dollars. So that's that's beautiful and that's working. They the, yeah. Yeah, they, they, they proved a model, definitely. And there's a lot of other companies like ClearBank out there. ClearBank gets a lot of attention in Toronto because it's Toronto-based. Right. And uh, right, it's, our, it's a Canadian baby, right? It's a Canadian unicorn company. But uh, there's other ones coming up in the same kind of point of view, bringing in and money in, right? As a third party player, they're like, cool, let us be the fuel to fund, fund all this activity. But my question then is 100%, but you do need someone who, who's, who's a serial entrepreneur or who's, who's developed lots of businesses to be able to look at a model and say, hey, if we pump money into it, this will, this will blow up. And because this really adds value or it has attraction, maybe it's a 10K per month run rate. I think that's, you know, that's one of the, um, one of the things that your bank looks at. Yeah, I think yeah. Maybe, maybe it's really figuring out like a model, but, but to your point, I mean, hundred percent, there's a lot of, like, you know, I've been thinking about it. One of the things I've tried trying to do is raise funds and then kind of, so I'm trying to do that. We'll see if it works. Yeah. We'll see if it yeah, works. Yeah. I just started my first uh, GoFundMe campaign yesterday and that's to raise funds to work for innovative startups. So we'll see. I, I mean, I didn't mean to reveal it on this show, but I'm only talking about it because you brought it up. So yes, so that is that is 100% possible, but it's also gut instinct. There's a lot of risk involved. So I guess they are being smart because if it's millions of dollars and if it's many companies and you de-risk. Yeah. And if you're smart yeah. about it, like I was looking at a portfolio of, uh, of one of, you know, of, uh, of one of the companies here that, that does invest and it's really smart because a lot of their portfolio is food, mm. wellness. Okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's medicine, medical, pharma related. So if it's like groceries, if it's food, if it's wellness, people, home entertainment, I mean, at no point, what, what can happen in the world for, for someone to go off of home entertainment or not eat food? You know what I mean? So I, but, but again, but that's like, that's like observation, but 
but yeah, but I think yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, it's it's interesting that you, that you bring up. And I'm sorry, are you saying you're seeing a lot many of those companies? Yeah, there's a lot of companies. There's a company in Boston doing that. A company in New York doing that. Two companies in New York doing this. Right? They don't have the same kind of name behind them as ClearBank. Yes, right? because of Michelle Romano, right? Yes. Michelle yeah. Romanoff. Yeah, for sure. Right, having a dragon behind you definitely helps. Yes. Um, and and yeah, like so, the, the the landscape is definitely changing, right? Like, like you know, like what what we do is we we're like a digital digital brokerage, right? We mm-hmm. get people to come in and and sell on behalf of companies. So we have right. client companies come in and say, you know, we'll give a commission rate for a uh, salesperson to uh, this percent of commission if we sell, right? Fractional and we, sales manager. Yeah, and we're like a fractional sales manager, right? We build like a build and have maintained sales teams for them, especially commission-based. Yes. So we're just driving value for, for the companies that we that, uh, but contract. But does the company have to be at a certain level for you to onboard, or what are you looking for and before you? So we go for two buckets. One is a post-seed or a post-series um, A, like those level companies who are like looking to really grow right. Right, really quickly. But yeah. we also in, co-invest with emerging C, companies. How much seed do they need to have raised for you to be like, okay, yeah. For us to, for us to get interest, 300,000, like even the low end of a seed round. Just Got it. And then you help scale yeah. it. Oh, okay, and we help scale it. Right, but okay. we also have a portfolio of, of like early stage companies who are just starting right? Right. emerging technologies. Yes. So we see their tech, we validate their technologies, we like the technology where it can go. Right. We're like, yeah, let's co-invest with you and like help drive sales and, and move you forward. Mm-hmm. And I really like doing that. And one of the things I'm, I'm thinking is that like dealing with a lot of salespeople, what we do is we allow is like, if you're a hustler, if you're good at communicating value and building value, why do you need to be condensed into, a, into a, one company? Why do you need to be micromanaged? Why do you need to you know, be seated at a desk being told what to do? Mm-hmm. Why can't you just hustle freelance and do the exact same value you do, just manage yourself, right, and build? And what we have done is kind of, we're, we, we're, I'm really heavily invested in this idea of atomizing a firm, right? Mm-hmm. Where before people's jobs were very like horizontal, right? If you're a salesperson, you're finding leads yourself, you're nurturing them, you're, you know, managing them, you're driving, you're, you know, communicating value to them, you're closing them, and you're driving that forward, right? That's usually the old way of sales. Yes. Now yes. it's like more, more, uh, sorry, more vertical. Now it's more horizontal. We're breaking up the process. So mm-hmm. we have a layer of people just doing just straight BDR communicating value. We have another layer of managing those people. We have another layer whose right. entire thing is to grow those people, right? So we're layering the processes that are required and to do is these. That working? Is, that, is that a good idea for you to be streamlining all of those different BDR versus account director versus account manager? Because different companies have different, I'm curious about your learnings and what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we find like, the ability to drive value goes up. It's because faster? It gives, it gives people the locus of focus. Right. right? Okay. You focus at a particular part of the funnel. And that's their job is a passing flow over. And it's a, it's a movement started by Salesforce. So Salesforce was one of the first people to, to split the role of a BDR from a BDR and account executive, right? So, yes. uh, so SDRs or BDRs go out and, and like, you know, top of the funnel, they're churning out qualified leads and they're yeah. passing nurtured leads over to somebody to close. Account executives right. or whoever it is, yeah. Exactly, right? So this yeah. idea of fraction, even like atomizing like certain certain job roles, certain a certain aspect of the firm is happening. It's kind of a movement that's been happening for a while now, and technology right. has sparked that curve. 
And just like, you know, with the marketing, it's become more programmatic, like people and like the job skills are becoming like cross kind of like uh, stitched together by technology, I guess, right? Right, yes, yes. So yeah. like talking about that, like that edge layer where digital marketing now crosses mm -hmm. with digital sales, mm -hmm. it's where, you know, you're quantifying who your market is, who you, who, you know, who your market is, what the message is on market, all this stuff, a similar kind of aspects are now going into both, both things because people are thinking very granular and planning and strategy is very, very granular, right? Yes, 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 for sure. That makes sense. But having said that, you know, for, and that's amazing that you say that. And I have experienced that. I, I get it. But I'm just also wondering, you know, like, because there are, we have different personalities and there are some people who want to be doing ABCD. And there are some people mm -hmm. who only want to be doing, you know, streamlined work. So to your point, a lot of people believe that every, if, if your roles are streamlined, then it works very well as a, as an op from a well-oiled machine, right? Like, cause it's, it's streamlined, awesome, perfect. From a marketing standpoint, it's different cause it's, it's all machine based. So if it's streamlined marketing, like audiences, we find it perfect. From a job perspective, I guess, would you say it's also like managing personalities? Cause there are some people who are like, no, I don't want somebody else to nurture my, you know, my baby and these are my relationships and I want to be, yeah. So, so maybe it's, it's different approaches for different organizations or are you seeing more, are you saying there's more success and it's even recommended to separate out the roles. Yeah, um, I, I don't, so it depends, right? If you're passing along human beings with relationships, that's hard to do. But part of the funnel is like, even before the contact with the person, you did a lot of work to figure out how to qualify the person, qualify the lead, qualify. Yeah, the qualification, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. The qualification you know, side, right? Marketing also, I guess, lead generation, and yeah. It's the same, similar kind of thought, thought process of going into it. That's what I'm kind of seeing. But uh, you know, going back to more of our programmatic and the movement towards that, right? Um, well, I guess one of my deeper questions is, what, how, yeah, how does, how, how does that market evolve? You know, like mm -hmm. things are market, the, the, the side of market, digital marketing already, has already moved to the, this, this point where it can be programmed and it, and it is, it yeah. is automate a process where is it going oh you're talking about where is it going i mean people are asking questions like what 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 is programmatic media buying there i think there's a lot of work that needs to be done around education before it even goes to the next step but having said that if it's a market like if it's a bigger market if it's the us or something with more scale i think there's a lot of cloud-based algorithmic buys that are happening so a lot of like custom algorithms. So we're as a company, we are able to create custom algorithms for you based on like your specific campaigns. There is like machine learning tech that we have, but I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to even have that conversation if you're not even doing programmatic media buying. So from the perspective of like, where is it going opportunities? I think there's a lot of opportunities, but before it even gets to that level, an organization has to embrace it understand it be willing to test it and then it's the cultural differences like canada you know how, how are the companies embracing it startup cultures i feel like from my perspective i find startups to be very differently um 
different from the perspective of what they embrace and what they don't versus large companies and it's Canada versus the US and the, the cultures and things like that. But from the possibilities, oh my God, there's a lot. There's a lot of possibilities, a lot of custom algorithm. Can you, can you enhance performance using this piece of tech that we have? 100%. It's an APAC-based uh, company that literally, so we have access to it, that's able to enhance campaigns, make it there, it's able to enhance performance, and it's, it's proven to show better results, 100%. But I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done upfront around just basic mm. education. If you don't know what is programmatic media buying, I can't be having conversations about layering tech on top of tech because that's just like whoa like I you know I don't want to talk to you because I'm like I'm so scared and like safety and comfort level today I had a session where I was talking about how people want to work with people they're comfortable about and they, they feel safe with and that whole comfort level if I think right now it's about education and once that you know that gets mm. as we're, we're past it to your point the possibilities are immense there's so much yeah. you can do from a DMP perspective. Like I worked on a client where they had their own DMP and it's just fantastic because they can store all of the data to your point, like something else that you mentioned earlier, like the whole like sales, you can do that through marketing by customizing messages and just like you told me. But then I ask you phone call versus like an ad, like as you've, you've done sales, like what was more effective? Was an email more effective calls? Like how do you, Cause I, you know, in the final, I'll see email openers and I'll see display, video, YouTube. What about phone calls? Yes, you can have, right. To me, it, it follows an entire spectrum, like a hierarchy. And the premium tool that you can get somebody to sell something is face-to-face. -face. Right, and if how you, you get, get me someone, yeah. If you get me in front of someone, my, my, my client, if I get them in a face-to-face -face scenario, I'm telling you like 85% to 95% chance I'm closing because it's very hard to look somebody in the eye and say, no, that's one of the main <laughs> factors you have, you have going for you. It's actually really hard for a lot of people to say no, right? Yeah. You can get them to feel bad. You can, you know, you can like, it's there's Canadian, so many things you can, you can It's a polite yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many factors that go into like interpersonal relationships, right? right? You talk to somebody for like 30 minutes, you know, you meet with somebody at a bar or a restaurant, you talk to them, even if you go door to door and they let you into your house and you talk to them mm -hmm. for 30 minutes, yes. right? It's yeah. very hard for them to yeah. say no to you. They'll buy based off the relationship of you, let alone the product. Yes. Oh right? my gosh. So, yes. yes. You know what I mean? So like the idea of the old door to door salesman who go door to door and out of nothing, out of a door knock, create wealth, right? Mm -hmm. Was a thing in the 1920s, the 1950s, the 70s. And then when the internet came, not everybody migrated with a sales mindset into the internet to be like, oh, I can sell to the internet. A whole new breed of people came into being. So what I feel is that the people right now struggling to make the shift towards more programming, media buying, using more uh, uh, like, uh, like automated or algorithmic ways of, of purchasing, of, like, of interfacing with purchasing behavior is just like that person who didn't translate their store online in the 90s, in the 2000s, 2010s, and now they're coming online in the, in the 2020s, right, with an Instagram store, right? Like the whole right. different types of businesses, whole different types of market, mm -hmm. whole different types of mindset will come up. And it's, it comes to the use case. Like I got into the idea of media buying because I started doing like a few uh, like uh, Facebook ads 
And I started yeah. looking into like the granular level you can go to. And I'm like, right. oh my God, there too you much. go. Yes, yes, yes. Right? And then I started seeing the power behind it. I'm like, holy shit, like I can <laughs> chase down the exact type of person I want I need to I need to talk to. I can right. craft the messaging. I can I can craft an entire sales pitch and deliver it to an audience yes. of like a hundred people and hundred yes. thousand people. You see that on YouTube. Go on YouTube. You see so many B2B ads. Yeah. Are you doing any yeah. B2B ads for yourself on YouTube? None at all. <laughs> <laughs> I should be. Yeah. So I, I started, I started getting, I started, into, I got into this because Gary Vee kept yelling about it on Instagram. Oh yes, right? I love it. Yes. Gary Vee is like, it's, I got into LinkedIn because, um, no, sorry, yeah, LinkedIn because Gary Vee is like, this is like the, the, the highest ROI, the holy grail, because <laughs> the, the, the attention grab on LinkedIn is going upwards. Yeah. It's a content deficit. The amount of people on Especially it. Especially now, I guess, the coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and then this was last year when I first started getting more and more on LinkedIn. But he was also talking about the the cost of buying on LinkedIn ads is super low. And I'm like, what are you talking about? It's five dollars per per ad. But then he, right. the way he was explaining it, being like, because of the attention deficit, not a lot enough ads are running through LinkedIn. But versus how many people are on it and on engaging it on a daily oh, basis, wow. right. it actually there's, there's, a, there's a curve there. Then I started looking at the logic of like, oh, you're buying attention. You know, this is a piece, a little piece of attention you're buying into yes. and you're yeah. trying to convert it over into a sale with whatever, whatever the piece you pitch, right? And I'm like, this is just like going door to door or just like picking up a phone call and talking to them or sending an email. This is just another yes. methodology of transferring value. Yes, right? yes. I've been thinking about testing it for my business too. So maybe you and I both can get on it and share results. <laughs> like, hey. <Yeah>. Absolutely. <laughs> You get yes, yes, for sure. Lead generation for sure. Yeah, LinkedIn is great for B two B. Yeah, cool. So we're we're ending the uh, near the end of our segment, and this has been a cool discussion. We've really been enjoying talking about this back and forth. Right? Yeah. And uh, stick around afterwards. We're gonna have a quick debrief. But till then, when can people find you and find out more information? Um, yeah, go to our website on www.omnibid.co or send me an, an email at vertika at omnibid.co or call me 647-223-1992. Text me, WhatsApp. Wow, that's gutsy. You put it on your phone number right in the internet. Yeah. Okay. Okay, amazing. Vritka, uh, thank you for coming on the episode and really enjoyed you having, having you on. Stick around for two minutes, okay? Great, sounds good.